Okay. <clears throat> Theories on how time works. Is the future very open-ended, a blend of open-ended and deterministic, or totally deterministic? Well, you know, to answer that question, it's kind of like we have to agree upon the language that's using, which is slightly different than the, the person that asked the question. A deterministic dis discusses potentials in time, <clears throat> and it says that they are not random, deterministic, right? It says that these potentials in time would be set and that you can you can if you accept a deterministic possibility or deterministic model, then you're saying that you extend the interpretation, the application of this, and we start using words like fate and destiny, right? Because it says that these are things that you do not have the ability to alter. <clears throat> this is a path you're on, meaning that as you move from the moment into the future, that you are on a path that cannot be altered. <clears throat> that goes with, you know, a lot of religious perspectives on things. And but the the other one, the other language that I want to share is is stochastic, which it deals refers to a uniform distribution with random variables. And this is the model that I use when I discuss, you know, in several of Sean's videos. I discuss the moment, and I discuss our ability within the moment to influence potentials. And for me. And for many of the physicists that I have worked with to discuss this, to apply a deterministic perspective to future time is incorrect, unless someone is just living their life to the degree that they just take their hands off of, <clears throat> they just take their hands off their life. And they're, they're busy drinking or they're busy, you know, doing something else that they're not involved in the power of their own intuition or intention rather the power of their own intention because the power of your intention is that thing which causes you to resonate as as uh sean you and i were talking about you're trained in understanding of waveform it causes you to resonate in such a way that you begin to establish a pattern of potentials outside the moment because the moment is always in motion it never stops and it never reaches the end. It never goes to infinity and it never goes to zero. The moment is constantly moving. It's constantly moving. And because it's constantly moving, it, it is moving through a field of infinite potentials, infinite potentials. And for simplistic sake, let's just say that the potentials are positive and negative. But we all know that <clears throat> it's not just positive and negative. There's anything in between and anything on either extreme of that spectrum. But so what drives us to different potentials. <clears throat> if you're living in a constant state of confusion about your ability to do that, then it can be seen almost as a deterministic outcome. It can be. <clears throat> but if you are involved in the moment in your life, in defining yourself, in living you know, an authentic life, those kinds of things, you're creating for yourself, you're envisioning for yourself what, what is possible for you. You cause yourself to resonate at that particular frequency. And when you are doing that, then it's stochastic. What starts to happen is different potentials that are resonating with what your intention is set at, cause they start to line up. 
And so from a, <clears throat> from a field of infinite possibilities, they begin to move into a cone of probabilities or, and these infinite possibilities become more and more probable as the moment is moving toward that. As you continue to maintain that resonance of your intention. There are also things it's called change distribution in the model. And in change distribution, you're saying that despite what I'm doing, <clears throat> how I'm resonating, the world has a collective moment, and that is the change distribution, which can affect a potential for you. Things can happen. You could be just, you know, on the day that you are getting ready to graduate from med school, 9-11 happens, right? And so now change distribution, the collective moment of a huge piece of the population is affected and it skews what happens for you. You may graduate. It's like being it's like being the captain of a ship and you have a destination, you're piloting the ship toward that destination. And suddenly there's a storm at sea. Right. Right. Which knocks you off course and things like that. Mm-hmm. Through intention you can get back on course, but you might be a little bit behind, you know. Yeah. So the sea is the collective mm-hmm. You know, intention becomes the it, it it can be a never ending, you know, source of a, a of resonant frequency. The power of intention is a very it's a powerful thing. Remember, we've talked about you can go you can be the evaluator in intention or you can be the observer in intention. One of you, we are always both. We're just like hopping to the different silos, right? Depending upon the situation, but one is more powerful than the other. The observer is more powerful than the evaluator, but the evaluator is a necessary aspect of just human experience. It has to be there. You have to you have to be an evaluator on on occasion. So, but that power of intention is is a constant azimuth check for yourself, right? It's a constant, you know, stochastic mechanism for hoping, you know, for for not hoping for designing your life and living your life to attract the kinds of things that you're looking for in your life. Now you're going to hear people misconstrue that into, they're going to, you know, talk about manifesting and that kind of thing. And there are going to be all kinds of experiences of people make claims that, you know, I, I manifested a Bentley and I got one. Okay. You know, or I manifested uh, a, a billionaire and I got one. All right. Don't make me prove it. You know, kind of a thing. But from deterministic, stochastic, there is a hybrid model either which blends elements or aspects of both. And I think that is, while the stochastic is my favorite in describing, you know, the, the power of intention and what the moment means and the patterns of potentials in life, the hybrid model, I think, is is more comfortable for people to understand that some things are going to fall into a pattern and some things are going to be randomly or random potentials that are going to fall in based on how you're living your life in the moment. I think that now you also talk about time, right? Yeah. So that's, no, I think, I think you, you know, answered how time works. The, I think the follow-up that's implied here, but it's not directly asked is how does that translate into remote viewing the future? 
Well, it means that if somebody's telling you that they're remote viewing the future and they're coming back and trying to present it as an absolute, then it's just, it's, it's, it's false because anything, you know, it's why the old adage, anything is possible on the other side of the moment. It means that if you are going forward, if you're making it your intention to go into a field of infinite possibilities and remote view something, remote view an event, right? You have to hear what I'm saying about that. There is every variant of that possibility, of that potential, right? An infinite field of possibilities. Not one of them is an absolute. They are all constantly in spin, linked, varied, et cetera. And so anything happening here could drive, could drive us away from that potential or away from that potential this way or that way or this way or that way or this way or something else. You cannot think about this as a linear concept. And, you know, quantum mechanics, the time is considered by, by some physicists as non-existent. It's just an invention of man, a man. <clears throat> it, it, it's not one of the cosmic laws of the universe. I mean, I'll say this in all honesty, there are some physicists who, quantum mechanical physicists who, theoretical or experimental, and they just, they, they don't necessarily agree with that. But, and that's okay. <clears throat> but what they all do agree on is that when you start talking about time, that it is typically a classical concept of Newtonian physics, and that makes it linear. And it, it's, a, it's a measure, that, you know, Classical physics looks at that as a driver of motion. Um, it's the best way to apply that, I think. <clears throat> so when you start talking about the moment moving through a field of infinite possibilities, I know your brain wants to say that there's a future and that there's a past. And indeed, from our perspective, there is, but not in the world, not in the quantum world, there isn't. We created that. Human beings created that. And, and in science, we use it to measure motion. Okay. But when you start talking about your ability to perceive something in the future, you must simply understand that what you're seeing is a potential. It's just a potential. And there's a whole lot that can happen between when that, that potential and when the collective moment of the global society goes to that potential or doesn't go to that potential. And it is never a direct route. It is a constant motion of a collective moment that is fed by the constant power of individual moments within the global society, right? You start wrapping your head around that and you understand how stochastic it is as it moves around, right? It, it, so if they come back and say, well, I saw this. Oh, okay, you saw that. Now don't stand up and tell everybody that that's what's going to happen because the truth is you have absolutely no idea if that's what's going to happen. You just saw, you remote viewed or you dreamt or you imagined a potential and that's it, nothing more. Does that help? Definitely helps. Okay, so how would one train in remote perception to gain accuracy in the time dimension? E.g., you aim to remote, remotely perceive a target of interest at some time not in the present. How do you control your ability to look for four days ago versus four years ago? 
versus four months into the future? Would it be simply having a conscious and explicit intent on the timing of what you see? Whether it's whether you're trying to look four out minutes, four hours, four days, four weeks, four months, four years, you know, four four centuries. Remember, you're applying an intention to do that. It is governed. It is governed by your intention. And there are all sorts of variables applied there, but your intention, and you have to remember that the collective moment of the universe or of the global society, moving the moment, moving through an infinite number of potentials that exactly precisely what is it that you think you're going to be seeing for years from now or 40 years from now or four centuries from now, right? It, but it's governed how you establish the landing point on that Newtonian concept of a timeline. How you establish that landing point is by your intention. Now, if you're doing it yourself, you're front-loaded, which means the data is already corrupted. You're just creating at the speed of human thought, util, utilizing analytical overlay. If you're going to assign remote viewers to do something like that, then you need to have more than one because you never trust the results of a single remote viewer operating independently of other remote viewers. <clears throat> they need to be blind and somebody has to establish the concept of that target. The concept of that target might be, as a suggestion, following the hybrid pattern of the global society now, what will the moment for the global society look like 40 years from now. So what are you going to see? Something absolute? You cannot paint it as absolute. You can come back and say, following my intention, that's your targeting statement, right? You write that down, you objectify it. Following the hybrid model of the global society, what will the global society look like 40 years from now? <clears throat> that's probably the best you can do. And then you have to be willing to say, okay, let's see what out of 10 viewers who corroborates what and who correlates with somebody else and see what comes up and take a look at that. You got seven out of 10 that come up with something similar. Okay. That probably means that that potential is resonating at a higher frequency, meaning it has more, more potential, likely. right, to fall into that cone of probabilities, right? and not be altered by change distribution, and it could show up. But all if you saw that, then all sorts of things between now and then alter or skew that. And maybe somebody comes back and says, okay, well, making the planet aware that that's a potential, you know, we can shift that. So far, not. <laughs> no, so far, you know, nope, that hasn't changed anything. For us. What if you start with the with the with the intention of show me the most probable state of society forty years from now? Is that better or worse than, or I shouldn't say better or worse, but more likely to produce a better or worse result than the way that you? That's an excellent the, question. I I I think it would. I don't know that it would produce better or worse. I just think that's a that's an excellent way to to phrase that targeting question uh, i'm going back to the military right most probable course of action most dangerous course of action 
et cetera, et cetera. Like what's the worst it could be, right? Show me that in 40 years. Yeah. As long as, you know, and, and as you you know this, but that's, that question is actually hidden. It's not vocalized to the remote viewers. That question is written down, objectified, and, and then the two sets of four numbers are assigned to it. That becomes, you're basically playing what's called program manager and you're signing a coordinates to a target concept. The target concept is just as you articulated, and then you need to have multiple viewers look at it and you need to look at what correlates in the data. And I would suggest there will probably be multiple sessions. So if you've got 10 viewers looking at, at based on that target concept and you have in session one, seven correlate in, in terms of data, and then in session two, without feedback, session two, maybe eight correlate. In session three, maybe four correlate. You've now got, you know, a statistical relevant element of data that you can begin to look at and determine, you know, it's it's if it's good and usable or, you know, is it all nebulous or, or you know, does it, it, is it meaningful? And you can pull that together from that point then, and I don't know what you would do with it. But it certainly, it's the same thing as the hybrid models that you see being developed by scientists today talking about climate change. I mean, right? They're building patterns and saying that's exactly what they're doing is they're managing this data and looking for patterns in the data to say this is happening or that's happening. And by the same token, there are other scientists who disagree with it, who you know set their models up, the hybrid models up and come up with a completely different. Now, some people... Are, are troubled by that. I see that as exactly what we're talking about here is that there are all these, there, no one potential can be taken as an absolute. You just can't, there are too many variables that skew it and they skew it, they skew it moment to moment, which is incomprehensible to human brain, <laughs> moment to moment. It, well, right? The human brain can at least start has started to do some of these things. So for instance, in finance, they use Monte Carlo simulations in order to project the most likely or like a distribution of possible outcomes, you know, in, 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 st in stochastic processes, right? So it sounds like it's a little bit, well, it actually is a great segue into the next question, which is how new technology has affected remote viewing project management. And I think this, there's also questions related with maps. So I think this is kind of a, what are the tools that you used, kind of physical tools, and then how has new technology been leveraged on that tool side in order to help improve the process over the years? That's a good question, whoever asked it. The only technology that has you know come forward in, in the decades since I was being trained and utilized as a CIA, DIA remote viewer is just the sensor technology that can be used in the development of uh, EEG readouts. The problem is the sensor technology has increased, but the understanding of what an application should be do that should be capable of doing, utilizing the sensor technology, that continues to just fall short of expectations. <clears throat> and maybe it's just because they don't understand what really needs to happen. But a brainwave trainer is an extraordinary tool. And I'll explain why. As a remote viewer, as a coordinate remote viewer, you're, you're going from beta to alpha 
into, I mean, uh, sorry, you're going from gamma to beta to alpha, and your intention is to try to stay in an alpha brainwave state during the process of coordinate remote viewing. Recognizing that you will porpoise up back up into beta, you might even go break the threshold and go into theta temporarily and come back up. The problem is that nobody back when we were being trained, nobody had any knowledge of that. We did, they didn't have a cool down process, which is to, again, as a trainer and an educator, it, it, it was to me just ridiculous that you didn't have a program to teach that, to have somebody do that. And everybody did different things. Like Mel Riley would listen to, you know, a Native American drumming and chanting or singing. Paul Smith listened to heavy metal rock music. <clears throat> and I would, I, and I went to the Greater New England Academy of Hypnosis to learn, you know, self-hypnosis. And that's what I used. I don't know what everybody else used, but everybody had their own thing. So there was no consistency in how to get to that place. In classes now, we use binaural beat and we use a yogic relaxation, breath meditation and pink noise. And it's just kind of a guided meditation to take you down. And we know with the binaural beat there that we're going to get you to an alpha brainwave state. Whether or not you sustain it is kind of up to you. And it also is just up to you practicing and doing it using, you know, using the cool down MP3. It, that's what's important there. So back to these, to this idea of, okay, how do you know that you're in, in an alpha brainwave state? Well, you, you don't unless you have a brainwave measurement. Now I know people who will take like a meditation class or something else. <clears throat> somebody will say to them, okay, when you're in a theta brainwave state, this is what it's going to feel like. Well, that's, hmm. that's an interpretation, right? That's an interpretation. And that's a person imprinting on you that theta brainwave state should feel for you like it feels for them. That's wrong at the start. Everyone experiences it differently. So everyone needs to have an evidence of what brainwave state they're in. So <clears throat> if you're going to do a, use a brainwave trainer, which is a powerful tool, if somebody, you know, I'm hinting here, if somebody will actually write an app that does these things, brainwave trainers with this enhanced sensor technology, there needs to be an application that measures individual brainwaves, gamma, beta, alpha, theta, delta. Don't rename them. Don't call it relaxed, you know, you know, worried, you know, neutral. Don't do that. That's just stupid. It's gamma, beta, alpha, theta, delta. Those are the brainwave states. And if you've got a sensor that'll do that now without having to abrade the skin and stick a spike in your head, <laughs> right? Then write, build an app that allows you to measure that. And it should provide the user, if it's on a phone or something else, it should provide them with visual and audio feedback. You should be able to adjust a volume and give yourself a tone so that you know there's a tone for beta, there's, there's a tone for alpha, there's a different tone for gamma, there's a tone for, for theta, and there's a, there is a tone for delta. And for those that want it, the screen should change color if it's a phone app. <clears throat> so, it should be that simple, except one more really critical thing. Though the app needs to track brain waves over time, 
and it needs to provide a trace of each session. Now, what I mean by that is <clears throat> you should be able to look at a graph that says, I started off at this time and I was in gamma. Five minutes later, I dropped into beta, went back up to gamma again for two minutes, came back down to beta, dropped in alpha at this time, stayed in alpha this long, porpoise back up to beta, back down to alpha for this long, dropped into theta for this amount of time. You follow what I'm saying? You need that kind of a printout because that allows you then to correlate that to what was going on in the environment. Did a dog bark? Is that the thing that took me from alpha back up to beta? Did somebody slam a door? Is that what caused that to happen? It is training yourself to recognize what it feels like to get into alpha and sustain or to theta and sustain. And it will take time to get to that place. But once you're there and once you keep doing it and keep doing it, you have the feedback that shows that you're doing that. That is a powerful trainer. That is a powerful trainer. And that will put you leaps and bounds beyond anybody you know, sitting there listening to somebody else tell them what it should feel like in theta. So that is the thing that was really big for me because that stuff wasn't available back in, you know, the eighties. We didn't have MP3s. We didn't have video feedback. I guess that's kind of the other thing. Now we do video feedback, not a Xerox copy of something. You know, we have, we put links in the feedback and say, you know, here, go research this on your own for, and for target development. You know, and, and there's also the science of quantum mechanical interpretations that has lend, that lent itself to quantum mind interpretations. And that has been a very powerful thing because that didn't even come out of SRI where we were using quantum mechanical interpretations to explain why quantum mind is capable of doing what it is capable of doing. That didn't exist for us back there but it does now. If you enjoyed this video, hit like and subscribe, and I'll see you next time.